You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit, one podcast at a time. What's up, my lovely friends? Alicia here, the hostess with the mostess, guiding you through your wedding planning and doing ridiculous voices at the same time. Enough of that. I got bored of that. I'm sure you just did. Very good to be sharing this time with you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome. I hope you're settling in. You're enjoying the atmosphere. If you haven't joined the Bride Chiller community on Facebook, then that's a must. Good God, that's a must. That's our community of like-minded people who really just want to help each other. And it is the opposite of every other wedding forum on the planet. And I'm going to say that confidently now because I've been hanging around some other wedding forums recently. They're not great. Is that a fair assumption? Apologies, that's not true. There are lots of great wedding forums. Just sometimes you've got to sift through assholes and shitty opinions, and that annoys me. Gosh, so biased. What's with the anger and the rage? It's just the truth. It's what it is. Later in the show, I am delighted to share with you a great interview I did recently with Kevin Dennis. He runs Fantasy Sound Event Services, and we are talking all about lighting. I think a lot of times, like like music actually, lighting is ignored when it comes to your room. And like you'll hear in the interview, it can really change the atmosphere of a whole event when you light it correctly and can actually save you money. And I love the sort of lateral thinking that Kevin shares with us about replacing flowers with lights. Look at that. It's the future. First up, though, before I bring you that interview, I think we should do some Q&A. Haven't done it for a little while, but what better time than now? And people have been sending me some lovely voice messages and leaving me some emails, so it's time to answer them, basically. Not getting too complicated here. Before I kick off, if you have a question, a comment, a thought, then I would love to hear from you. I really would, because honestly, without all of your messages and direction, I really wouldn't have much to talk about. That's the truth. It really is. Lovely. Juliana left me, or she sent me an email recently, and she says, Hey, Leisha, I know you'd much prefer this message to be recorded, but I am Brazilian, and I'm afraid my English would not be eloquent enough for this show. Now, listen, firstly... Have you heard my English? And it's my first language. I have respect just wanting to say, especially in our current climate of total annihilation uh, of so many things, the people that speak second and third languages, you are gods and goddesses to me, honestly. You're thinking in one language, you're speaking in another, and so many people don't acknowledge that. I just think you're very clever. I only speak English, and sometimes not that well. Juliana says, my fiancé and I have been together for almost 11 years. Good. Congrats. I'm always, I've always had a good relationship with his mother, but I've noticed she's been a bit suffering since we moved in together three years ago. She's been super, super feisty since then and very jealous, and this has been bothering me very much. The dress she bought for the wedding, get this, guys, is white. Although she says it is beige. (laughs) Oh, God. With some details of lace in blue. It is basically a wedding dress with shades of blue. Oh, boy. Just, oh, boy. I feel like this is a statement of competition, even though she may not realize it. 
already already told her that the dress seems to be white from the pictures. I was trying to say it like not in a too subtle manner. I don't want to be aggressive and actually say I wouldn't like her to wear this dress. She sent me the photo. I'm going to explain it. But she said, I mentioned to my fiancé about asking him for help, but he felt sorry for her. Although she's married, she's never had a wedding herself. Only got married in the city hall. I think that is the deal. What an awful position I'm in. I don't know what to do, but it's really bothering me. And then she says in capitals, help me not become a bridezilla, Alicia. Happy days. Firstly, oh boy, here it is. I, I've got a photo of the dress. The dress is a wedding dress. Like, there is no... Juliana, you are completely sane and completely... Of course, she's completely sane. You are completely right. This is a wedding dress. And it bothers me. It really does. Now, I I personally don't have a problem with people turning up in light-coloured attire at weddings. You know, pale pinks, even some sort of creams, as long as it doesn't look like a wedding dress. And this is where we come back to this problem with Juliana's mother-in-law. She's freaking bought a wedding dress, and it's just not the day to wear it. I, I, I'm going to ask Juliana if I can post this in the blog. She might say no. Don't get your hopes up. But it's a long sort of tight dress with a, a bodice. Uh, there's a lot of lacing. It's a wedding dress. So here's the thing. There are two ways. Obviously, you can just let it go and just go, listen, clearly she's riding this 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 train and the train is that she thinks this is her wedding. It ain't. It's your wedding. I do think there's some way that you can step in and say, look, I feel... Like, that's a great dress. But this is my wedding day, and this is our wedding day, probably a better way to phrase it. And I reckon you could pick another dress that's a little less like a wedding dress. Now, that's a hard conversation to have, and I know it will be challenging. But if her really wearing this dress affects you in a way that is going to impede on your celebrations or your feelings in the day, then maybe you should speak up. Now, on the other hand... You know, you will be the the focal point of the day. If she really feels strongly about wearing a wedding dress to your wedding, I feel like it's her problem, not yours, and quite strange. So many people try and make other people's weddings about them. I find that really strange, and I, I, I get it in a sense that she didn't have her wedding, and she sees this as a time to really step out and experience a wedding on your coin and on your day. But that's not cool. So, Juliana, I, I think you should need to have a conversation. I think you need to really get your fiancé involved and maybe just say, look, this is making me feel a little uncomfortable. We don't want to hurt your mum's feelings. This is not about being mean, but it's about appropriateness. And perhaps this dress ain't that appropriate. Oh, I wish you well. I feel like we should definitely talk about this in the community. I feel like there are other mothers and fathers-in-laws that uh, maybe are acting a little bit inappropriately too. Just saying it. Good luck, Juliana. We love you and we support you. Hi, Alicia. My name's Rita. Um, I got engaged about six months ago. Um, my fiance proposed um, actually at the the spot of our first date. <laughs> so we were both really excited, um, but I was actually very overwhelmed, had no idea what to do. And one of the first things I did um, within the days after was start looking for podcasts about wedding planning because podcasts are my jam. Um, and 
I found yours. And I'm super happy because it's so refreshing. All of the books that I've seen or, you know, websites, a lot of them are very traditional. And it's nice to hear someone who's willing to break the mold and give um, people advice on how to do things their own way. So thank you so much. You're such a joy to listen to. I actually listened to you um, while I was training for my marathon. And um, I listened to (laughs) many episodes that way and caught up on the back catalog. So thank you for that. Um, My question has to do with alcohol. I know you've covered this a little bit on past podcasts, um, but my question is a little bit more heavy. So my family has a history of alcoholism. Um, My dad has alcoholism and actually um, my uncle um, passed away due to it. And so alcohol is like a really big part of my life. Well, <laughs> in, in, in a healthy way, <laughs> but, um, I live in San Diego where craft beer is a really, um, a really big part of the culture here. Um, me and my fiance love to go exploring, go to breweries and wineries and things like that. So we really want, um, alcohol at the wedding, just, you know, to have a good time, loosen up. And it's, you know, something we enjoy doing together. But at the same time, um, my, I want my dad to attend. And since my dad has this history, I'm, I'm really not sure how to handle that, whether, um, you know, whether to hire a security guard in case anything happens, you know, assign a family member to keep an eye on him. And then I'm just not sure if it's like selfish of me to want that at my wedding, even though I have you know, this family member who it will really affect. And then I also don't want to exclude him from the reception part. Um, I I know some people suggested just having him um, attend the ceremony and then ditch the reception, but they're at the same venue, at the same location. So I, I feel terrible just saying, you know, you go do your own thing after this. Um, so any advice would be much appreciated. You know, I'm alcoholism is something that I think affects a lot more people than is actually talked about. So, and I know this is a heavier issue for the or topic for the podcast, but um, I'm sure there are other listeners out there who maybe are having a similar dilemma. So anyways, thank you so much. I love your podcast and happy days. Well, firstly, Rita, I'm grateful that you uh, were so transparent and open about your dad and your family history with alcoholism and you are so right so many people families and friends are affected by alcoholism and uh, drug addiction and we talk about mental illness a lot on the show and this is one area I haven't talked about very much and I'm I'm really happy that you you left that voice message because booze and alcohol for some people like for yourself Rita you're saying you like you like to drink and, and, and in a healthy, normal way, if that's a real thing. Some people cannot do that. And this is actually affects people on so many levels with not just the person that has the problem with alcohol, also their family and their friends have to make decisions like you're making, Rita, about saying, well, we want to have a party and we want to have booze at the party, but we want to have people who are affected by uh, alcohol at the party. What do we do? I am not someone who has 
a lot of professional experience. So please, everyone listening, only, as always, take my advice with a grain of salt. I'm just someone with an opinion. But one thing I listened to the you know way you were describing um, your dad, and I, one question I would have is, how is he in other social situations? Is it is it something that he can cope with? Can he be amongst other people drinking and not be affected or or feeling that he's left out or feeling the need to drink when he's with a group? Because some alcoholics, I, I, I have friends who have, have gone through um, programs and are people that can come to a pub with us or um, come out to dinner or go to a, a, a club and they don't drink and they're fine. Whereas I know that's not the case with a lot of people, that they don't put themselves in situations where they are challenged or tempted, if we use that word, to to be a you know a part of people drinking because it's just not productive and healthy for them. So, Rita, I, I think if you can have a conversation with your dad, if you're at that stage of being able to be open, I don't know, maybe he's not out, and you know, it just really depends where he's at personally and where you think you can communicate. Obviously, you want your dad to be there, and maybe it's about having someone. Um, n- not necessarily a chaperone, but having someone just to keep an eye out for him and making it so you're comfortable and he's comfortable. But if shit goes down, that it's not a big deal. Of course, it's going to be a deal, but it's not going to be the event. It's really, it's really challenging. Every situation obviously is unique, but I'm so happy that you shared that with us. Because that's what Bride Chiller, the whole community is about. It's about people going, this is real life. Stuff like this happens every day. And I just have to spend, I have to really say, I spend time on the community and I feel like you're all my people, obviously. (laughs) But also, the stuff that we talk about, it's everyday stuff. It's not necessarily wedding stuff. And this is a conversation that I think is really relevant because, as I said, we have friends who have gone through um, alcohol and addiction programs and sometimes as someone who doesn't have that problem and hasn't been challenged personally by that it can be you sort of go I don't want it do I drink wine do I come do I is that bad am I feeling you know you put yourself in that position and not to make it about you but you want to make sure they're comfortable and they're having a good time but you also want to have a good time it's really hard so I think we should be more open and have conversations like this because I think stats show a lot of us are going to know people who have been affected uh, by either personally or with relatives, partners, friends with alcoholism and drug addiction. There it is. Rita, I don't know if I've helped you, but I think, I hope I've helped you. Listen to me sounding like this. I don't know if my advice has been helpful, but I hope that you have someone close to you that also knows your dad that you can have a conversation with if it's not your dad and just say, what do we do? How do we cope with this? But also make sure that you get to celebrate this amazing day with your dad because your day shouldn't be driven by his alcoholism and I'm sure he wouldn't want that to happen so that's my advice oh I didn't fuck that up I think actually most questions I answer I think uh, although I'm confident I just want to make sure as the person who started all this that I give you good advice so please I'm not going to be offended if we get on the community today or this week or next week if I've given ill advice just then Call me on it. Be kind. Be kind. But call me on it. There will be more of the Bride Chiller podcast. Actually, Kevin 
A lovely Kevin. Now, really, this is I really enjoyed talking to Kevin. Kevin Dennis is is talking all about lighting, and he gives some great tips, as I said at the top of the show, just about thinking about a space and hiring a venue. And sometimes, if the venue has a dud wall or an exit door that has to be there, be like, Christ, that's ugly. That you can really hide things with good lighting. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And he gives some really good advice about looking at a space and seeing how you can slightly alter it, warm it up, cool it down with different toned lights and really change it for the better. So I'm excited to bring you this interview after the break. Welcome back, bride chillers, groom chillers and other chillers. I did promise at the top of the show that I would be sharing with you an interview with the wonderful Kevin Dennis from Fantasy Sound Event Services. Do you like how I said that, Kevin? That was pretty good. Fantasy Sound Event Services. I feel like I could do voiceovers for you. Yeah, I, yeah, I, w- I would hire you. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kevin, uh, thank you so much for coming on the Bride Chiller podcast and sharing your wealth of knowledge about lighting today, which is a great topic. I agree. Tell me uh, a little bit about how you got into the biz and uh, what your favorite part of your job is. Well, I we didn't come through as normal lighting, you know, starting out as lighting, you know, company. What we ended up mm. doing is we started out as a DJ service and we are in the Tri-Valley, which is about 45 minutes uh, east of San Francisco. And a lot of the vendors from San Francisco didn't want to make their way out to the Tri-Valley area. And so as I, I continue to grow my business, brides, you know, vendors, venues around our area were asking, hey, do you know anyone that does this? Do you know anyone that does that? And then it just kind of naturally, we started filling the voids of what was missing out here in the Tri-Valley area. And then, Good one. yeah, and from there, it just kind of has continued to grow and grow to now where we're custom, you know, we custom build our, you know, a lot of our inventory, you know, and, and so people are coming to us for custom builds, just things like that. So our, our business over probably the last 10 years is totally taking a you know a right turn and, and we are going down a different path now I love Kevin I think lighting is something a lot of people underestimate or don't even think about and then they go to this trouble they book a venue they think about flowers and tables and napkins and all that shit that you think about when you're planning a wedding but then they've got a big room with some crappy fluorescence and it just, to me, it just really, the atmosphere can be totally burned by those sort of crap lights that you walk in and go, oh, this is a bit like being in a supermarket. So tell me about the power of lighting and how much, if you think about it, it can change stuff for people. Uh, the simplest way to put it, it, it could take the ordinary to wow. I mean, it just, mm. y- you'll walk in a room and it'll just look like you said, just like a normal everyday room that you see at every other wedding. And then if you're able to turn off the lights and you can even just add as simple as up lights around the room and spotlights on like flower arrangements, some tables, a cake, you know, for a wedding, any of that, that kind of stuff, it'll take it from ordinary to wow instantly. You know, and then mm-hmm. it'll be the same room. It would you could take a, a like the before and after picture with the lights on, the lights off, kind of thing, and it would look like two totally different weddings. So that's that's the power I think of lighting. And then once you start adding, you know, like our company does a lot of chandeliers. You know, once you start adding like hanging elements and that kind of stuff, then it and then it just continues to take it to a whole different level. 
Mm. And I do think some people, I mean, I really hate fluorescent lights. I've just got a real problem with them, Kevin. I don't know what, I don't know if you share my, oh, yeah. there's something about, like I've been, when my husband and I were looking for a rental property and if we went into the flat or the apartment and there was a fluorescent light, I'm like, let's get out of here. We've got to go. I can't live with this. Yeah. I, yeah. They, they're not flattering and they give me, they give me, they just really get on my nerves. <laughs> Yeah, there's like a lot of it like around here. So, you know, like I said, I'm 45 minutes you know, east of San Francisco. We have about 55 wineries out here now where I am. So we're mm. even like to kind of give you a little Napa is about an hour and 15 minutes north of us. So we, you know, so we are our own little wine country out here on our own. But a lot of these, you know, so we are doing events where you know, the wine is stored or that kind of stuff. So we do deal, you know, one venue in particular out here that we deal with that they have no lighting other than the big fluorescent lighting. So then mm. they have to hire us to come in. And, and usually what we do is we do the market bistro type lights over the tables and then start adding spotlights and up lights and, you know, and then they could shut the lights off, you know, and that's what happens. There, there's the people that don't, that book that venue that don't hire a lighting company like you know like ours or you know some of my competitors around here they end up with those fluorescent lights on for the entire wedding it's awful oh it is awful and it doesn't do the photographer or your face any good um (laughs) (laughs) honestly i I, when i get older kevin i'm gonna i'm gonna hire a a, just a professional lighting person to just uplight my face at at all times just to prevent any aging (laughs) well (laughs) One way of doing it. We could, but not too much uplighting because it could be harsh. But, you know, we'll work on that. I do, coming from a TV background, Kevin, I do know in Australia, I'm not going to, no one will know the names even if I name the names, but there were a couple of presenters that were very specific about the way they were lit to try and look less old and baggy. And I respected Mm -hmm. that because they had power and that's the power of lighting. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you can perhaps use lighting uh, as a feature, even to replace flowers and other expensive items, um, getting creative with lighting instead of buying a lot of extra stuff. Tell me about that sort of art of of really lighting a room like that. Sure. A, a lot of times our, our clientele will, will tend to go to the pattern lighting, which is called gobos. So um, a lot of our brides think that gobo is bogo, like buy one, get one free, but that's not... It, it's Not really that thing. Different thing. No, yeah, different thing. That's what I always tell them. But Although you could do, you could do gobo bogo, and then yeah. like that could be a whole fun present presentation for you. Yeah, you never know. But they, yeah, around here they always try to joke with me to do the bogo is what they call them. But it's gobo. So there's a light and a lens, and then the fixture that we put in between is, is called a go between, and that's where it got its name, gobo. But with 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 some pattern lighting, you know, that's something that you could use in lieu of other decor. Um, you know, especially like, you know, like if you wanted the Golden Gate Bridge, you can, there, there's a pattern that has the Golden Gate Bridge or the Las Vegas, you know, sign, any of that kind of stuff. So that's, you know, would be a more cost effective way of then bringing in a whole, you know, wood, wooden prop, having someone design it for you, that kind of stuff, you know, and then I, it, when the wedding features come in, I, I'm a big, I don't sell candles. I'm not in the candle business, but I am a hundred percent in favor of the, you cannot have enough candles. So mm. then when you add the candles with the lighting, I think it, it, it's another way, you know, cause sometimes candles can be a little bit more cost effective than some of those other elements. 
Yeah, that's nice. And it gives, I suppose, also transitioning uh, from night into, from day into night and then lighting the candles, watching the the lighting change as well can be a really nice feature to change a room if you're in the same venue the whole time. Yeah, I yes, 100%. And the only other caveat I could say about the candles is you have to invest in the good candles. So you have oh. to buy the, yeah, the four to five hour burning votive candles because we will have, Ikea is a big thing out here. Uh, you mm. know, so we'll have brides that'll go buy some votive candles at, at Ikea for $4 and they'll burn for 30 to 45 minutes when you, for $20, you can get a hundred of them, uh, you know, that burn for four to five hours. So uh, it's really, yeah, it's really, really important that you buy the, the longer burning. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the clear cup candles, you know, but that you really have to have, uh, spend the money. It's, it, it's, it's one day. That's what I always tell them. It's worth it. Oh, if, I agree. And there are other places you can save money, but if, as you said, you, you don't want to buy a hundred of these things and then they disappear in the first hour and you're like, Oh, that's the candles gone. Finished. Yeah. Well, yeah. By the time you get them all lit and someone takes a photo, they're gone. You know, that's pretty it's much over. what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, those are my, the gobos and the candles would be the things that I would really, you know, would be something that you could really play with. Because when it comes to those gobo patterns, uh, you know, like pre, pre-made that you can buy, there's probably 7,000 plus different designs. So you can, you know, from a tennis ball to the Golden Gate Bridge, you know, to everything in between, the peace mm-hmm. sign. I mean, you, you could get, you know, the New York uh, City skyline. I mean, it, it's, it's never ending what you could find. That's great, and I like I like that you could get really creative, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a lot of extra equipment and stuff if you want to put that on a wall somewhere. And also, as you said, if you've got this sort of in Australia, we go daggy, some sort of naff, boring wall that you're like, "What the hell are we going to do with this wall? It's boring. It's you know a bit ugly, perhaps." If you throw some light on it, is that the correct term, Kevin? Yep. Throw yep. some light. Right, that's exactly th- what we use. Yeah, great. <laughs> we throw some light on the wall. It can take away from the ugly, but also create something quite gorgeous. Yeah, I I 100% agree. You know, for us, we always go, you know, we're trying to hide something, and that's usually what we do with the lighting and or the drapery. You know, Mm. there's there's a door, you know, a fire exit door has to be there. It's not really pretty, you know, but, you know, fire marshal requires it. So what what do we do? A A lot of times we'll throw you know, like gobo wash the wall or something like that. So it just all kind of blends in and it gets lost. So so tell me, Kevin, when um, and, and we have an international audience, so not everyone is lucky enough to be working with you personally. So this is probably a bit more general advice. But when people are considering hiring a lighting designer or a company, that event company that works with lighting, can you talk us through a little bit about the quotation process, how you figure out what's good for a room, and also work with different budgets because I'm sure people come to you and go, I've got a hundred grand, let's go crazy. Yeah. And you'd be like, great, I'm moving to the Bahamas. <laughs> but um, it's probably enough, not enough to move to the Bahamas. But how does it all work? So for us, I always um, recommend it's the uplights and spotlights are the foundation of whatever we do. So whatever, you know, like we'll get a lot of clients that come to us and just want a chandelier, but they're really missing the boat, you know, because when you're really trying to do a cohesive, design 
you always have to start with the up lights, which would provide the color or the warmth in the room. And then the spotlights will highlight those items that you, you've already purchased. You know, mm-hmm. So if you're going to start anywhere, you're going to only allocate a little bit of money to your lighting budget, I would recommend doing only those items. And okay. then, and then the, the gobo washes, you know, your names, custom monograms, any of that kind of stuff, then becomes the filler, you know, the, the stuff you add on. And then how much do you think people should allocate for that original, not to put you on the spot about money, but to say, mm-hmm. is this affordable? Can we light places, especially if you've got a bit of a, I don't want to say a dingy venue, but a venue with the fluorescent lights <laughs> or a venue with this big ugly wall, but you love the venue. How much of our budget should we be allocating to this sort of thing to fix a problem? It's I really, really put you on it's going to be. Put you on the yeah, well, yeah, no, and that's fine, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I'll be brutally honest. We God we are like preferred vendors at multiple venues around here, and the average price at each venue is totally different. And some of these venues are even owned by the same people, so it's uh-huh. really venue driven. You know, but with that being said, like if we were just doing, you know, so I'll find some of our clients will spend, you know, if they're trying to be minimal, minimalistic, they're, they're going to spend like a right around the $1,500, you know, US, you know, money right around that $1,500 mark. Our clients that really kind of go over the top and they're doing drapery, chandeliers and that kind of stuff, they're spending more in the seven to $12,000 range, if that makes, wow. you know, so yeah. You know, so, but you, you could still, you know, like for in the $5,000 range, you could probably still get some pretty nice, a really nice design with some chandeliers. But, uh, you know, the, the higher end I'm talking, we're doing lots of drapery, lots of chandeliers, you know, you know, we're, we're spotlighting all the tables. They're going all out. So. Well, I feel I feel like there's definitely a scope, especially we've got lots of bride chillers who uh, and groom chillers, not to leave you out, groom chillers, um, that are sort of ditching floral arrangements and sort of saying that's probably not for me. But I think if you have a venue that you think needs something else and you're not doing the flowers or you're not going all out with decorations, then you should definitely consider some sexy lighting. I, I 100% agree. Or not sexy. when we don't, You know, but lighting is very sexy. I, um, I agree. Last question before we go, Kevin. What's the biggest lighting fail? Or what's something you go, oh, people just don't do that ever again. It's it's awful. Uh, be honest with you, a lot of it for us is um, we don't do a site survey with the client. And that's where we started learning the fail or not getting the whole scope of what's involved. Because what ends up happening is electricity is king, you know, oh. for what we do. You know, and so what ends up happening is not, we didn't take in the factor that, you know, the uh, caterer is going to be running two coffee pots, which take up two circuits. The band's going to, uh, you know, need three circuits of power to run to do their thing, or the DJ is going to need this. And then there's a photo booth person, and then there's this thing, you know. So, really, you know, that you got to take everything into account. And that just kind of happened to me. There's a newer venue out in our area that just opened up, and they really skimped on the electricity. So, mm. in the ballroom themselves, there's only three circuits of power. So when it comes to lighting, that is not a lot. So we ended up, what we did is we did LED uplights, battery powered. So that saved us, you know, electricity there. But we still had to leave electricity for the DJ. And we still had to leave electricity for the photo booth. So the DJ took one. So that left us with, you know, one and a half circuits left. So we had to work and do a lighting design to where we can give half of the circuit to the photo booth person 
and the other, you know, one and a half to lighting. And it was, it was a little bit difficult, you know, and, the, and it was, it was a lo- really challenging. Client didn't spend a lot because she couldn't do a lot, you know, but it was a little bit more of a difficult thing. So electricity is, you know, what's available, what you can bring in. Those are always, you know, if you don't think about that and even the whole scope of what's involved, that's where your failures are going to come in. And as yeah, far as design-wise... You know, I'll give you one little quick story is um, in central California here, you know, which is about two and a half, maybe two hours from from any kind of water. I had a bride one time that was looking on Pinterest. She had her wedding in the, you know, beautiful wine country in the central California, but nowhere near water. And she kept sharing with me her Pinterest boards and everything was Cape Cod, beachy, should be up in New England. Had nothing oh to do with California. Yeah, and I was just like, she and she's like, but you're not giving me my, you know, you're not understanding my vision. I said, I understand your vision, but where we are, there's no water, there's no sand, there's no, you know, clear tents, there's no, I mean, everything she was, I go, so you, I go, I, so I gave her a homework assignment, and I said, I want you to go and just look at photos from the venue that you're, that you're getting married in. You know, so that's a lot of times, too, is brides, I find, and grooms, you know, grooms not so much on the Pinterest, but brides more on the Pinterest. They look at photos, but they're not looking at their specific venue. Or, you know, and this happens to me, too. I'll have a bride come in, and she goes, you know, I want my my wedding to be purple. And then she shares her board with me. I go, you know, everything in here is pink. You know, and they're (laughs) like, she's like, really? You know, and I'm like. And then we start going through, and usually a mom or you know maid of honor, whoever's with her, is like, oh yeah, you got everything in here is pink, you know. And so they don't, they get so sometimes the blinders on, they're not really looking at the whole, the bigger picture, and and looking at photos from your venue is, is so important because people will want us, you know, like we we own this chandelier that really can only be hung in two venues around here. And we get asked to hang it in, in so many other different venues, but it is nine feet tall, the chandelier, just on its own. So the, the venues we hang it in have 21-foot ceilings. So mm. by the time we hang it, secure it, and go, it's, it's you know, it, it looks magnificent in these venues. You know, but when we'll get a bride that wants us to do it at this other venue that only has 14-foot ceilings. And I'm like, you got to understand this thing's going to be, you know, uh, five feet off the floor. You know, yeah. or yeah. even four feet by the time we suspend it. And they're like, well, huh? You know, and then I'm like, we can custom build you one. And then once they hear custom, they get all freaked out. So, <laughs> you know, but just really, you know, go in there with the understanding of what your venue is and what, what's available in your venue. And you're going to be, it'll set you up for so much more success. So. No, I, excellent that's, advice. That's my and little I think, bit of advice. And also, like, Cal, if you want Cape Cod, go to freaking Cape Cod, girlfriend. Yeah, I agree. You're in California. I agree. There. That, that was the most struggle and at, by the end of it she knit, I, I worked with that bride for almost nine months going back and forth with estimates and different things and she ended up not hiring me which was probably for the best because I was at the end trying to let her go she her sounds a little way, so. uh, a little like she should be getting on a plane and going to Cape Cod um, yeah no <laughs> it was like destination wedding girl hey here's a simple solution just go there yeah. get married there you don't have to build yeah. it on the other side of the country. Um, Kevin, Correct. a delight. Thank you so much for sharing yes. this uh, really good information. And remember your power and electricity, people. That's a very good point. A lot of people think they want crazy shit happening, but if you can't have power to uh, make it happen, it ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, if people want to get in touch and learn more, 
could you share how that would happen, please? Sure. Uh, easy to, you know, our website's fantasysound.com. And then my uh, my email address is really simple. It's kevin at fantasysound.com. I'm happy to answer, you know, questions, you know, wherever you are in the world and, you know, help you along the way. So if you have, you know, if you're not in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're in California, I'm, I'm still happy to answer questions and help you out. Kevin, you're a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, I would have loved the phone number of that Cape Cod bride. I really feel like she could have become a bride chiller. We could have nurtured her. We could have helped her either realize Cape Cod is where she wants to be. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty That's the song. Um, probably get sued for just even singing that now. Uh, if she could go to Cape Cod and just get married there and not try and bring it to California, maybe a better option. Or just to chill out and just plan a great wedding in California. feel sorry for her. I'm sure she had a great day. Maybe not. If you have a question you'd like to uh, ask me, visit thebridechiller.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You can leave me a review. You can uh, share your thoughts. Send me photographs. Here's something we're really enjoying at the moment are all the graduate, Bride Chiller graduate comments, photos in the community that you're sharing with us and it's just like literally like seeing my baby child's sounds weird now baby child's graduating you're not my children you're my friends but if you would like to share your lovely wedding planning story with us or maybe not so lovely all stories welcome they don't have to be lovely you can also submit your wedding to be featured on the bride chiller blog all this information can be found on thebridechiller.com or if you would like to uh, learn more about doing that, hit up either Erica or I in the Bridechiller community. We'll help you out. Until next week's episode of the show, I wish you all the best with your wedding planning and uh, if in doubt, chuck it in the fucker bucket. We all love the fucker bucket. Until next time, happy days. The Bridechiller Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day.